If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Since we're already standing, I think if Elvis deserves a standing ovation, the king of all glory deserves a great round of applause. Would you give him your best praise? Whatever that is, in your own words, in your own way, if you want to clap your hands, if you want to lift your voice, be an instrument right now because he inhabits the praises of his people. And Lord, we want you to know you're welcome here. We feel you in this place. We felt your anointing here today. And that makes me happy. It's great to be with God and his people on a Sunday morning. If you are happy to be in the house of the Lord, would you just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you to this incredible ministry team. The hospitality has been just first class. I almost feel like I'm in the south. I love you people, and God loves us all. And I feel the love of Jesus in this place. As she gave her testimony, and I saw a dear saint come up and pray, just asking God, would you wrap your arms around each and every one of us today? There's something that changes when the Lord shows up. Whether it's by a hospital bed, or it's driving down a lonely road, or if it's perhaps a, a distant pathway that you feel all alone. And the enemy has tried to convince you today that you are alone in this. But when I come into the house of the Lord and I look around at the body of Christ, I realize that the enemy is a liar. I realize that the, the world doesn't have this figured out and the voices in my head are often wrong. But when I hear the voice of God saying, I am with you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will stick closer to you than even a brother. And then I come into the midst of his presence and with his people and I feel faith in the house and I know God is a truth teller because I feel him around us right now. If you feel the Lord in this place, and you believe he's a promise keeper and he's a healer and a way maker, would you thank God for what he's about to do in your life? With a great expectation, give him a praise. Thank you, Jesus. It's great to have my posse, my crew. My sidekicks, my partners in crime, my son and my daughter, my beautiful wife. I bring her back to Louisiana. For some reason, she gets happier. But thank you for making us feel at home, and thank you for welcoming the Lord into this place. John chapter 4 and verse 7. While you're standing, let's go into the word of the Lord. How many love the word? Oh, it's like it's living. It's like it's breathing. It's like it's anointed. It's like it's living. John 4 and 7, beginning text here, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food, verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews are not supposed to have any dealings with, with you Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, 
give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you, everybody say, living water. Verse 11, the woman replied, she said back to him, sir, you have, you have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? I love the way Jesus just sets her up. She doesn't even realize who she's talking to. He's the water, he's the well, he's the word, and he's the deliverer of every promise that he speaks into your life. When God tells you to do something, he has already figured out how to fulfill that. When he speaks a word of faith into your life, you don't have to figure it out, you just have to faith it out. You have to realize who is speaking to you today. Do we know who is the author and the finisher of our faith in this house today? His name is Jesus. Verse 12, she says, Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become, everybody say, in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come back here to draw. I want to speak to you for a few moments on this subject, and I just want you to look at your neighbor, and not a judgy voice, and, but a very inquisitive tone. I want you to be compelling, and when you ask him this question, I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to ask them, what are you drinking? What in the world are you drinking? Now, can we lay down our, our laughter for a moment, our worries for a long time, put your phones or your tablets down or anything else that might be a distraction, and lift up your hands to the Lord and ask God that his word is anointed, but God anoint the vessel that, that speaks the word, but also the vessel that receives this word. God, let new and fresh anointing be upon this place. I pray a freedom of your spirit be here. I pray, God, this word speak life unto death and light into darkness in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord. Heal us, Lord. Mend us, Lord. God, renew us in the Holy Ghost this morning in the name of Jesus. And you may be seated. Briefly, if you don't mind, I'm going to remain standing. This usually works out better that way. Tough crowd. When you're trying to reach a destination, when you're traversing the varied terrain of life, you've got to be prepared. Amen? Anyone ever ran a race? Hiked a trail? Any takers? Any brave mountain climbers, anybody at least climbed a hill in the house? I said, I got, a, I got a young man on the back row. Thank you for not leaving me standing up here by myself. Well, then you can testify that if you're not prepared, you will not succeed that challenge. Your eye can be on the prize, but the body requires certain things to get you to the peak. And this is a lesson that I had to learn a very, very difficult way, Pastor. I'm humbled to tell you that uh, I made a jot down to South Africa about 10 years ago. My younger brother was 
took some time away from school, worked in insurance, and then decided to go back to law school. And then he had the ability or the opportunity, I should say, to, to spend his last semester of law school studying in Cape Town University. And it was one of the youngest democracies on the face of the earth as the apartheid ended and it became a free state. And he said, hey, get your tail down here. I've got massive student debt that's paid for a condo right on the ocean. We might as well take advantage of it. I've got two weeks after my degree program is over. You can get down here, beg your wife, trade in all your air miles. We're going to have a trip of a lifetime for pennies on the dollar. And I went to my wife and said, babe, I want to go to Africa and have the greatest trip of my life with my brother. Can I please go? And she looked back at me. She said, I think you should go, but don't you dare let your brother talk you into anything stupid. Does anybody else have a brother that talks you into, or a sister, you know? Yeah. And I feel at home already. Thank you. Counting layovers, stop over in London, fly down to the bottom of the earth, 33 hours on a plane. I get off the plane, we go grab a bite to eat, and he says, I've got the whole thing planned. Now, I want to trust him, but I should know better. He's done this to me before. We grabbed a bite to eat, he said, our first adventure is we're going to climb Table Mountain. I believe we have a picture of Table Mountain. Now, now, mind you, he had been exercising, eating properly. He had a hydration pack, hiking boots, the proper pants and gear. He was suited up and ready to roll. He had a great night's sleep. I hadn't slept in 33 hours. But when your younger brother looks at you and says, let's go climb a mountain, you say, bring on that mountain. So we asked some local talent, and they said the easiest way up, everybody say easiest, is up through Plate Clip Gorge, that crack that goes right up the center of that mountain. Now, I don't know what their definition of easy is, but it's certainly not my definition of easy. A third of the way up that mountain, I started running out of water, and my body started to cramp. And what started off just hiking over small steps then felt like I was lunging my body over Volkswagen buses and things bigger than this pulpit. And I felt like I was about to die. Halfway up the mountain, I was completely out of water. I was beginning to be fearful, and my brother would turn around to me and say, Hey, man, how you doing? And I'd be like, Bro, this is awesome. Let's go. He'd turn around, take a few steps. I'd bend over and say, Jesus, if you get me off this mountain, I will never ask anything for you ever again. Please, Lord, save me out of the crack of Africa. I didn't know that fat groups could cramp. Every muscle group and non-muscle group in my body was writhing in pain. All I had was two little 16-ounce water bottles. I didn't have, you know, the 3-liter hydration pack. I didn't have the juice bars. I didn't have a body that was ready to climb a mountain, but I said, bring it on. Two-thirds of the way up, I really thought I might die there. Some of you don't seem that disappointed. Come on, family. Then we came around the corner. I'd been thirsty for at least an hour, parched. And I thought I heard a choir of angels. Obviously, I was delusional and delirious. But out of that gorge, I saw a waterfall pouring out the side of the mountain. And it was glorious. Ah, 
And without a thought in my pea-picking brain, I ran up to that fountain. It had to be mountain filtered, you know, just like the water bottle label says. And I ran up and just started engulfing a part of Africa, not knowing that Africa was starting to engulf a part of me. I proceeded my way up the mountain, and we continued on our journey. The Samaritan woman that we just read about in our text, she ran into a man on her journey that was asking for a drink. The woman, the Bible says, had been on a long journey of her own. She came to this well for water, this fountain often. It was a place in the Bible to meet people. It was the, it was the town square. So you didn't just come for water, but you came to fellowship, you came to, to meet friends, you, you came to socialize. She went to the well often because she was trying to fill an empty void in her life that five failed marriages, the Bible said, had not quenched. She went to the well often. The Bible says that she was of questionable character. Everybody say questionable character. You know, it's easy to question everybody else's choices. It's very easy for us to get judgy very quickly And to look around and to make ourselves feel better by saying, man, at least I'm not that. At least I'm not dealing with with that. At least I didn't make that mistake. And I wonder sometimes, church, if we would would feel the conviction of the Lord with self-righteousness as quickly as we would the lust of the flesh. I wonder if we could really show this world what love really sounds like. What love really feels like. The Bible said she was of questionable character. It's easy to roll our eyes at others. It's easy to get on social media, maybe even on TikTok. Pastor's on TikTok now. That's fun. That's going to come back. We're going to have fun with that one. But it's easy to get on social media and just start saying, oh, look at that filter. I wonder what she looks like without that on. Take that filter off. (laughs) And so the whole world is forced to put up this facade of a life that's not real. It's not true. There's nothing honest about it. It's the best version of the life we wish we had. It's not reality. And yet we judge. Every one of us, if we're honest today, we regularly are in need. It's in our nature. It's in our DNA. Everybody say, we have a void. You might have a quest for affirmation, or you might want to be popular. You may have a desire to have great success or make a lot of money, or perhaps you're wanting your kids to achieve what you could never, so you try to live vicariously through them for what you could not do in your life. Your desire may not be another's desire, but we're all thirsty for something, church. Turn to your neighbor again and say, you need a drink. I need a drink. I'm a big drinker. Hi, my name is Marvin, and I'm a drinker. We just talked about being judgy, and every one of you right now are trying to figure out what is my brand and what is my alcoholic desire. I mean, three seconds go by, Pastor, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, he's a drinker, and Pastor let him up there having the mic. But don't worry, I blame it on my father. He's a big drinker. That makes it okay if you blame the next generation. Can I get a witness? 
Nothing harder than iced tea, y'all. Don't get too nervous in the house. Now my son's a big drinker. My daughter's a big drinker. We are a family of drinkers. Hey, Bob, what have we won today? Hallelujah. When I eat dinner, I drink. When I don't eat dinner, I drink. When I exercise, I drink. When I don't exercise, I drink. When I sit and think, I drink. I am a drinker. Do I have any other drinkers in the house today? Come on. So it's no surprise that I ran out of water as I was out of shape, unprepared, on a mountain, in a gorge in Africa. And it seemed refreshing in that moment, that mountain spring. But six months later, in the most severe pain of my life, doctors had discovered that I ingested an intestinal parasite that had began to consume the inside of where my small intestine met my stomach. Just like the enemies of the body, whether the physical body or the body of Christ, they waited until I was exhausted and tired. They didn't immediately attack my system. They waited six months until I was depleted and I was downtrodden and I couldn't fight them off anymore. And then they decided to have a party inside my intestinal tract. Thank you, Africa. But it felt good in the moment. It looked clean, very attractive. It looked okay to my natural eyes, but oh, so dumb. Hear me today, church. But when you're thirsty and unprepared and undisciplined, not conditioned for the climb ahead or the race before you, you will find yourself drinking from the wrong well. And if the immediate consequences are not too painful, I filled up both water bottles, and I didn't just take it in in the moment. The entire journey to the top of that mountain, I was drinking in that infected water because I wasn't ready for the, jo the journey ahead of me. And the mistake continued because the consequences weren't immediate. We've got to be prepared, church. Mom and dad, you've got to be ready to lead your family through this lost and dying world, this state of confusion that we find the United States of America in. Besides a little chalky aftertaste, it was really refreshing. It felt great. But Africa decided to tell me that you cannot trust me. That's what happens, church, when we dwell at the wrong well. What are we drinking today into our bodies, into our spirits, into our minds, and into our hearts? What are we allowing our children to take in in our own homes and under our own roofs? What are we allowing our spouses to take in sometimes that comes out of our mouth, the noise that is corrupting their souls and their spirits? What church are we doing to protect the vessel, the body of believers. Most wells in the Old Testament were given names based on what the culture signified. Genesis chapter 26, if we could turn there together, verse 19, says also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and they found a well of running water there. Verse 20, but the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, meaning quarrel, because they quarreled with him. Verse 21, then they dug, everybody say another well. First one didn't work, so we go to another one. And they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna, meaning enmity. Then verse 22, and he moved from there and dug another well. 
and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. But later... A well was discovered in Samaria standing besides Jacob's well. And it wasn't a natural well of this earth. The prophets had foretold of him. And his name was Jesus, meaning Savior of my soul. And he is the eternal well. And he is my deliverer. And he is a rescuer. And he is a keeper. And he is a healer. And he can be your Savior today. Through his grace, he has made room for me at the well of an everlasting life and an eternal promise but I've got to find my way to the well of Jesus Somebody clap your hands to a God whose mercy and grace. You didn't earn a seat. You couldn't purchase or buy a ticket to the well of grace, but he made room for you. And no matter what you come to him looking like, no matter what you are burdened with inside or outside, no matter what condition your family might be in on this day, the Lord, through his grace, has made room for you and for your children and for your children's children, even as many as the Lord our God would call. He's made room for you today. Not because of who you are or who you're not. Not because of who I am. Let me tell you what, if you're a guest or a first-time worshiper and you walk in here and you look up here and you see me and Pastor and maybe some others and we're dressed all fine and you say, man, those people look like they've got it all together. Let me just, just take that and just throw it in the trash can for a second. This suit and this tie just covers up the scars of a man. Just covers up a sinner saved by the grace of God. This is just a part of a testimony. I am just a sinner just like you. I'm a man just like you and God's grace made room for me and he has made room for you and he wants to heal you he wants to save you he loves you just the way you walked in here today but I'm so glad to testify he loves you too much to leave you the way you came in here today he's got a miracle for your life he's got healing for your family He's going to remove the affliction from your body and he is going to pour out his spirit upon your soul because he has made room for you. And this well is not of an earthly measure. This well is a spring of everlasting life that he said is available to those that believe. Would you lift your hands all across this place from the, from the top all the way to this platform? Would you just say, Lord... I see that you have made room for me. And God, help my faith to be healed that I can take a step toward you today. Heal, mend, speak, renew by the power of your Holy Ghost. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus asked the Samaritan woman, hey, go get your husband. And she's like, uh, well, um, you, you see... Uh, and she attempts to give him the, the easy answer. Has anybody ever been asked a question of the Lord and you tried to give him the easy answer? Can I just tell you today, this is, this is, this is deep. You ready? Deep as it's going to get today. If God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. If God asks you a question, if Jesus walks up into your life and he asks you a question, he already knows the answer. He's trying to figure out, one, if you know the answer, 
And two, how honest you're going to be with him and with you. Because this is a covenant of choice. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way into your life. He wants you to choose to be honest with him. He wants you to choose that he would have a new life, a more abundant life for you. He's not going to force this on you. You've got to say, Lord, I see there's room with the well, and I'm ready to take a step of faith so that you could pour out a new and fresh anointing upon my life. She says, um, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, well, in fact, you've had five, and the last one wasn't even yours. That's awkward, y'all. I don't care where you're at. When Jesus calls you out like that, that's awkward. Why not just tell him the truth? He told you the truth. He never lied to you. He's never turned his back on you. He can never disappoint you. He can never fail you. And he can never show up late for you. You might as well just tell him the truth. He says, you're still searching, young lady, for what in this world may quench your thirst. But this pattern will never quench your thirst. Why, church, are we quarreling over the wells of this world that have failed us time and time and time again when the Lord has made room for us at an everlasting well, at a promised future, at salvation and eternal life? And yet we quarrel over the wells of this world. We feud and we dispute and we argue and we complain and we try to be contentious and we try to be competitive and there should be none of that in the church. There's no room for competition in the body of Christ. There's only room for collaboration with Jesus Christ as we pursue the mission of the church, the co-mission, the partnership, the ministry that he began and handed off to us. Oh, God, help us as the church of a living God to realize that we should no longer contend with those that are in this world, but we should contend for the faith. We should find our way to the eternal life in his name is Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. The same behavior will give you the same result the same pain, the same disappointment, the same emptiness. In John 4 and 10, Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God, he would give you living water and you would never, ever thirst again. How well do we know the gift that is before us today? Jesus is standing in this place Right now, with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with renewal of his spirit, with healing virtue that can flow out from him and into you. If you knew the gift of God that was right here, right now, why would we leave out through those doors the same way we walked in today? Have you ever been really thirsty? Yeah. That's an honest man right there. I used to work construction, and one of my favorite vendors, he'd come around, and he'd have like a huge cooler with iced Mountain Dew and Coca-Cola. And I'm just old enough that some of those were in glass bottles. 
You remember when the, it gets so cold, there's little ice chips on the top, and you pop that cap, or that tab, Come on, when it's 137,000 degrees down here and you've got 900% humidity, don't you act like I'm exaggerating. That's what it feels like. And you pop the top on an ice cold Coca-Cola and and one just won't do it. How many go back for seconds? Woo, and man, when they're free, you put two in each work belt. Take out the tools. That's the most important tool you got. Go down for a second one. Oh, man, it feels good. Can I get a witness? Any Dr. Pepper people in the house? Oh, we got some, yeah, religious people in the house. Okay. Mountain Dew, I mentioned that earlier, yeah. Pepsi? Diet Pepsi? Coca-Cola. Yeah, what am I missing? I know I'm missing one. Sprite? We got some Sprite up in here? Yeah, some of you just go straight to Monster. You don't even skip with, you know, partial caffeine. It's just liquid lava to your, to your spleen there. But what's the problem? Oh, sweet tea. Come on, somebody. What's the problem, though, when you drink an ice-cold soda? What happens about five minutes later? You're still thirsty. Because there's only one substance that was designed to renew the body, to hydrate the vessel. It's not that soda is sin. It's not that Dr. Pepper doesn't taste good. It's just not good for you. And what was once a blessing out of balance can cause the body to fail. Church, we need to not just be talking about sin. We need to be talking about things that once started out as a blessing that got out of balance and we forgot who gave us that source, that blessing. And then it turns into something that cripples our life. Who gave you that job? Who gave you that blessing? Who gave you that family? Who gave you that athleticism that that kid can play soccer? And don't let that blessing become a curse to you and to your family and to your body. There's only one substance, good old-fashioned water, that will renew the natural body. And there's only one substance, the Holy Ghost, that will renew the spiritual body. And we've got to remember, church, how we were made. And the void that is within us can only be quenched. The desire that is within you, the thirst that is within you can only be quenched by the Holy Ghost. We've got to remember the wells that we're drawing from that have failed us time and time again and make our way to the foot of the cross that Jesus would pour out new and fresh anointing upon your life, that he would renew you and restore you and remove the fear and the trepidation and the confusion from your spirit. Because I don't believe it's the will of God for his people to be sick, to be afflicted, to be distraught, to live in fear. God has a promise for you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be the body of Christ because you together are the bride. And he is coming back for a spotless bride, a perfect bride. And I just want to be a part of that body so God finish the work you started in my life. Somebody clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph.
I don't care how much money you have. Money can't buy you happiness. Three and a half, four years, I worked in corporate consulting. I was blessed to meet Fortune 200 CEOs and collaborate with them, learn from them, some of the greatest decision makers in our region. Studs. Incredibly accomplished men and women. And you get to know them a little bit better. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met. On the surface, they look like they've got life by the tail. And then late into an evening, they'll tell you that, yeah, but they go home privately. Their marriage is a wreck. Their kids hate them. Drink a fifth of scotch just to fall asleep every night. Money can't buy you happiness, y'all. And I pray every one of you are blessed beyond measure. But don't forget the source of every good thing you have ever known. Every bit of peace I've ever known. Every bit of joy I've ever known. Every bit of blessing in my life came from the merciful hand of my provider and my keeper and my maker. But the country song says, money, it can buy you a boat, it can buy you a truck, it can buy you a new life. But you know what I learned by hanging out with some really successful, powerful, and even wealthy people? Is it's like spraying a brick with gold leaf's paint. It looks really pretty on the outside but it's the same dry, parched, compacted dust on the inside, and it carries the exact same weight. I don't want an extreme makeover edition of my old life. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He said, all things would become new. I don't want a sparkly, shinier version of my old life. I want everything that God has for me. I want every blessing he has for my family. If he made me a promise, I want to get every part of that promise fulfilled in my life. And God's hand of provision and healing and salvation is in this place today. I wonder if there is anybody that said, I want to get everything God has for me on this Sunday morning. I don't want to wait any longer. I'm tired of carrying around the weight. I'm tired of the dry, parched feeling in my soul. I want to drink of the spring of living water. Somebody lift up your hands right now and surrender your control to God. Surrender your will to God. Surrender your pain to the God of all creation, to the God of all salvation. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Jeremiah 2 and 11 says, Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. Be astonished, O heavens, at this and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord, for my people. He's not talking about the sinners. He's not talking about the people in the world. He said, my people, my believers have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have honed themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Church, if we're not different from the world, how are we going to change this world? If we're honing out cisterns for ourselves just on worldly materialism and blessing, we are competing for the same failed wells. How is this world ever going to see a testimony of a life changed, of a life saved? of a family put back together. We have got to 
turn our back on the wells of this world. Y'all, we can't drink from the wells of confusion and expect to find clarity. We can't draw from the wells of anger and hope to find peace that passeth all understanding. We can't continually take in the voices of hate and racism and division and hope to love others the way that Jesus loves every, every, every one of us. You need to clap your hands on that one. Some of you have pulled the bar stool of your life up to anger and confusion. And you wonder why you're confused. And you wonder why you're angry all the time. And you wonder why you're so full of rage because you've been drinking from that well. Are the relationships in your life bringing you closer to the relationship with your God? Or are they pulling you and distracting you? Because the enemy doesn't have to defeat you if he can distract you. And all he has to do is pull your attention over here. I got so fed up with people saying that the pandemic, that COVID-19 was the worst thing that happened to this country in the last few years. My wife was in ICU and I almost lost my father. So I am not discounting your loss and your suffering. I'm with you, y'all. But the worst thing that happened to this country in the last three years was a spirit of confusion. There is a rampant spirit of confusion that has poured out upon every politician and every news radio channel. It's all over the internet and even TikTok. It's in our own homes because we are letting those wells pour into our homes and into our ears and into these vessels. And I rebuke the confusion of the devourer and I rebuke the lies of the liar. Get your hands off my family. Get your hands off your family. Come on, mom and dad, speak it right now. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to hear the voice of the Lord. I need new and fresh anointing. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place right now. But you've got to make up in your mind to turn your back and forsake the wells that have failed you and run to the well before you. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he's not just the author, but he is the finisher of your faith. Come on, lift your hands all across this place right now as the Holy Ghost begins to work on us. Move us in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, help us to see through the eyes of your spirit. We've got to watch the wells we've been drawing from. What are we drinking? What are we taking into our our spirits? It's time to walk away from the pollution. It's time to walk away Church, we're drunk in the noise, and we're sober in the spirit. That's where the 21st century church is failing right now. We're drunk on all the noise. Check our phones 200 times a day. At the same time, we got the computer going, the radio going, people are talking, an in-ear going on, monitors everywhere, because we're, we're addicted to the noise. And there's so much noise because the world tells you more will satisfy. Just more. More, 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 more. But more has to go somewhere. And pretty soon the vessel gets filled up with more and the noise. And it drowns out the voice of God who is speaking to you, saying, I love you. And it, it, it kills me that I paid the price for you to have a different life. And yet you are choosing 
the noise? Why is God the last person we ask when we make a decision? Why is His voice, His body, the most muted sound in our day? God's speaking to somebody right now under the unction of the Holy Ghost, and He is giving you direction. But you've got to choose this, y'all. Because in order to choose the well of everlasting life, you're going to have to walk away from some things. You're going to have to make Him Lord of your life. If he can't say no, don't call him Lord. If he can't say yes that way, don't call him Lord of your life. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, you can't call him Lord of your life because it's in that moment he washes away all the noise from yesterday and all the regret and the residue and all of your past pain. He washes it from your life and he makes you white as snow, preparing the vessel for a new life for a new day, for a new promise to be fulfilled. The Bible calls it a rebirth in him that I can start a new life living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. How many of you remember the day you were baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins? Was it one of the greatest days of your life? How many remember when the Holy Ghost fell upon you for the very first time or the tenth time or the hundredth time or perhaps you've been living your whole life with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Oh God, let's not get too used to the well. Let new and fresh anointing restore you today. You can't be living on prayers of yesterday. God wants to do something new in your life, elder. God wants to do something new in your life, third generation believer. Oh, God, help us to come up to the well. How close is the spiritual well in your life? Survival experts say you can't survive a man or woman three days without water. But some of us in the church think we can go three days, three weeks, three years, three decades without renewal from the well of the Holy Ghost. How long has it been since you were so overflowing with the Spirit that all the noise was gone and all you heard was peace and joy and promise? It was like heaven opened up and a floodgate poured out upon your life and nothing else mattered in that moment because you tapped into something that is bigger than everything that's coming against you. And you become an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your own testimony. God is shaping a testimony even in, in this place today right now. God is beginning to finish some things that he started. And no matter how parched and broken, the Lord has made room for you today. He made a place through grace for you. Psalms 34 and 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord, he is good. You can't know the full goodness of God until you partake of the spirit, the renewal, the power of God. Can we stand all across this place? He said, I will give thee in Revelation 21 and 6, the fountain of the water of life freely. You don't have to pay for this. He already paid the price. Freely to him who thirsts. Church, we're too sober. We're too comfortable. We become a little bit lazy as Christians and we wonder why we don't hear his voice. It's because we stop seeking him. And the Bible says, seek and ye shall find. Knock 
and that door will be opened unto you. Turn your back on the doors that have failed you, the voices that have denied you, and hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you right now. John 7 and 37, I believe that the well is beginning to pour out right now. He is creating a current in you, and it is going to change the tide all around you and your family. John 7 and 37, Jesus stood crying out, saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me. You've got you to come to the Lord and drink. Verse 38, as the musicians are coming, he who believes in me, that's all you got to do is believe today. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus then rent the veil and he was ascended and his glory was known. And he has poured out his Spirit upon all flesh, including every one of you today. And the well has room for you. As I open this altar, the Lord has made room for you, for your spouse, for your children. He's made room for this church. But you've got to make a decision right now before the voice of the enemy begins to distract you or say, you don't need to take a step. The Lord says, you've got to move toward the Lord. You've got to move toward him in faith. And I pray that new and fresh anointing would begin to fall upon every one of us. When you get up here, I want you to lift up your hands. And I want you to open your mouth and begin to praise the name of Jesus for his word is true. And I want you to let the Holy Ghost begin to saturate you and heal you and speak life into you. Come on, church, if you came in here today and you have a need in your spirit, your soul, or your body. The Lord will make you whole today. But you've got to come to the well. You've got to take a step of faith toward Him. Lord, I pray your Spirit would pour out upon every husband, every wife, every daughter, every son, every elder, every single mom and every single dad, every broken and battered flesh, every mind that is distraught with the distortion of depression and anxiety. In the name of Jesus, let peace that passeth all understanding be upon us. Let the virtue of the Lord begin to heal you, begin to make you whole.